Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Not much. It's been super rainy and gross in Chicago, though, but I had a good weekend. How about you? Um, it's been hot as heck in Philly. Um, this weekend was good. A lot of my friends left Philly to go home for a bit, which I'll be doing in a few days. Um, me and my friend finished in a thousand piece puzzle yesterday and that was probably my biggest accomplishment this week we put aside all of our responsibilities and he had a flight the next day but it had to be done you know i completely understand also a thousand pieces is pretty real thank <laughs> you stepping it up over here thank you <laughs> honestly i would say 70 percent he did it but you know i was i was there carrying in the last few moments you know awesome well are you ready to jump in Today, we will be interviewing Cautious Clay over a cup of Snapple peach tea. Great, let's get into it. So, for today's episode, I've chosen my favorite drink of all time, which we somehow haven't ever done Snapple peach tea. It's relaxing. You can get the little bottles when you're like on the run. I like the liter bottles for when I'm back home. It's a little bit of caffeine, a lot of sugar. Tastes nothing like tea. Like it's literally just juice. But um, definitely in my top two drinks and it's not too. Yeah, I feel like when I think about Snapple peach tea, I think about you because literally it was like every time we had like a study break in high school Sam would be like I'm gonna buy a Snapple tea and then would like come back with like this huge it, you wouldn't even buy the small ones I feel like you would buy like the big ones yeah I love Snapple I love Snapple I'm like you know obviously a medium fan it's a little too sweet for me I do appreciate like the pop though when you open up the can or when you open up the bottle um the fun fact I could do without um but anyways we are super excited for today's interview where we will be interviewing cautious clay um if you don't know who cautious clay is he is an amazing um singer songwriter producer and he recently came out with his first full-length album called deadpan love um i have been a fan of cautious for a super long time Um, I was introduced to him definitely through the song Cold War, like it was definitely in my playlist for a long time. And then after that, I started listening to his other music and he just has like a really interesting background um, and has really kind of like been everywhere, like collaborating with like media, TV, film and then also like a bunch of different artists and I'm super excited to talk to him about Deadpan Love. Yeah Cautious is perfect summertime music. His music is really breezy and beautiful. Also his voice is just next level. Definitely I think one of the best voices out there in like pop and R&B music. So you should for sure check him out. Should we call him up right now Teresa? Yeah let's call him up right now. Hello. Hello. Hey. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. To start, we're both from Chicago. You just played Lala. 
Uh, and we like grew up like Lala was the big, big thing. And I was wondering, how was that experience? Is that a lot of fun? Oh, man, it was so great. Yeah, I I mean, Chicago has always been a great city uh, to play. Like, I don't know, like, it's definitely like one of my top cities in terms of just like people who, you know, mess with my music and really engage with me. And, and so, yeah, I had a great time. Um, I, I actually played there two years ago, too. Uh, so that was my second time playing Lollapalooza, which was just like very very fun i feel like i just missed that because i because we grew up in chicago and most who went to lala were like in high school so when you like leave high school you're like going to other festivals somewhere else i feel like that was a year after i stopped going oh dang okay (laughs) totally yeah it's always insane because like it's such a massive festival but it's in the middle of a city and it's just yeah Yeah. like that around you know so yeah yeah, and growing up in, you grew up in Cleveland, right? I'm not getting that wrong. Yes, I did. Did you spend time in Chicago? To be honest, not at all. I think I went to Chicago for the first time after I graduated college. Oh, wow. So it was very, it might have honestly been when I went on tour. It was the first time I ever went to Chicago, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. Like I was, It's like 23 years yeah, I spent a lot of time in Cleveland this summer. Actually, I was um, working out there, so oh. Oh. <laughs> it's a it's a really cool city. Uh, definitely got to explore a lot. Nice, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of uh, elements to it. So, a lot of different things to do. Yeah, and kind of like speaking on Cleveland, I know that like a lot of how you were introduced to music was like seemingly random things, like you know, playing flute. <laughs> growing up in Cleveland, like listening to jazz. And I was wondering, like, um, is there any part of that upbringing that ended up like influencing you more than you expected later or something that you like took for granted, but then later was like, oh shit, like this actually like changed the way that I approach a lot of my music. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I I think about that uh, in the context of, um, I mean, when it, like you're saying playing flute at seven, was obviously like a a pretty like specific experience but I also had an incredible teacher uh his name was Greg Patillo and he like popularized this he didn't start it but he popularized this this thing called the beatbox flute um on YouTube and he like was like viral on YouTube back in like 2004 um and yeah like the earliest days of YouTube and I don't know. Like he was sort of like an example of something for me that I was like, whoa, I've literally never heard of the beatbox flute or like that people did this. And he makes classical music, but then he also like is a jazz flute player, but then he also has this whole different thing that he's doing. So I think that pretty much opened things wide up for me to like, as, as, as a musician to like understand like, and even conceive of like what, cause what was possible um at a very at a very young age did you end up experimenting with the flute in any of those ways or did you stick a pretty traditional flute play oh no I definitely uh was experimental in my approach um I can do a lot of things on the flute that maybe most people can't I'm not like an incredibly virtuosic flute player but I can I definitely learned a lot of techniques from Greg my 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 uh my flute teacher and he's a virtuoso so that that uh that definitely helped to to uh 
you know, put me in a whole different mindset when it came to playing flute. So, yeah. And then, and then making music in general, you know? Yeah, for sure. My little sister plays the flute and like all day, usually at night, actually, like before I'm about to sleep. That's some foul play right there. I know going back to your upbringing. So like, I know that like you used to like work as like leasing agent until like 2018. How do you think that your non-linear path to music shaped the way that you approach it? And also like, if you could go back and do it again, would you have done anything differently or would you have told like your younger self anything? I mean, I think there's always, uh, you can always sort of project about like a different scenario happening for yourself, but I don't know if that, like you just don't know what, what would potentially happen or like how it would be perceived. So I think it's not necessarily, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily like, uh, seem like a thing that I would necessarily like I, I don't really have like a, an opinion about it like I can't really like I could project but I don't feel like it'd be healthy because like I just I don't know I have no idea how, how how things could have been different you know maybe maybe I wouldn't even be in the position I'm in now if I if I I don't know shaved my head and like did like got tattoos I don't know maybe that would be better I have no idea no, definitely. And like, what was the turning point for you where you were like, let me take this leap versus like, let me continue like what I've been doing. I, I just knew that I couldn't do that job for ever. It was just not a sustainable thing. Um, and yeah, no shade to anyone who does it. It's just like, I'm not like sales, ad sales is just a very like certain type of person. And I think a lot of people in general get burned out doing it. Um, because it's just like constantly like, yeah, it's a service job, but it's like, it's emotionally taxing. Um, and so I just realized, you know, like I could make pretty decent money doing it, but I needed to just make what I made and, and, and get out. And so I I saved up enough money to like, you know, last me for like eight months to a year. And I was like, okay, like, let me just let me just do this thing. Cause I know I'm, I know I'm good at music, you know? So like, I'm just gonna, gonna really go for this because it's, I know that it's something that I know how to do at a certain level. So I'm just gonna see where it takes me. Moving into the music, um, the album is incredible. And I was just wondering, I know that these songs were written at very different times but they all, they all center kind of around a similar feeling. I was wondering how you managed to always center that feeling and make that feeling so present on the album, even though you wrote these songs at very different points in your life. For me, the album is sort of broken up into two parts, um, like kind of like, and it's sort of, I think, broken by the, the skit on the album. So for me, I like kind of like, hot and cold or, you know, more, more bravado on one side and more like internal kind of emotional feelings on the, the backside. So I don't know, like, I think thematically, I just wanted to explore my identity and also my relationships and um, 
you know, in, in relation to just how people are motivated, what they're motivated by, like what I'm motivated by, um, and not in a way that feels like I am judging anyone, but almost observing it. And so like, I think that that being my, my overall outlook on life, like that's just how I see, that's how I feel like it's best to live your life is just to like open yourself to things, but you know, in a way that's, yeah, that's truly kind of just like earnest and just kind of like, let's, let's see where this goes. And, and, and so I, I feel like my writing style and my approach to lyrics um, and like the emotional state that I'm in, like no matter what, you know, in the, like if it was like six months ago or a year ago, it's, it's, there's going to be a certain quality to like the writing that is sort of consistent, I guess. On that process of like writing and making music, when you're in certain emotional states, like, do you tend to be drawn more towards like writing about that or like sort of going on like how you feel like musically about it? Like, what are you usually like drawn to or focus on like first? Usually it's the music at least because then I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a, this has me, this makes me feel a certain way. So I'm going to just, that's cool. Like I'll acknowledge that feeling. And then oftentimes I will freestyle or just kind of like think about a theme that I'm, that I'm very like, I'm feeling very in a very palpable way. Like I'll think about that feeling and then I'll just, I'll sort of like freestyle to a song and then I'll rewrite and then I'll, and then it'll eventually kind of come together into this, into this very specific thesis of a song, you know, um, and that, that's usually how I write. Like, that's how I wrote Dying in the Subtlety. That's how I wrote Spinner. Um, yeah. And then some songs are more like I write it out on a notepad or I write it out. On, it just it just depends. Um, that's that's kind of how I wrote Bump Stock. Yeah. But I think in general, the music is, is coming first. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier the two-partedness of the album and how there's a duality between being vulnerable and like kind of putting up a front. Is there any reason that you chose to focus on this theme now or does this theme represent kind of a reflection of how you approach love or relationships? Yeah I think that that reflection is just sort of like how I choose to express myself because of I mean, I think part of it is also just like what, you know, it's just speaking to the experiences that I have um, and the fact that I'm I'm a man and I'm like a black person and like, I just have these feelings. And so like, it's hard for me to sort of completely put myself out there in a way where I don't feel like maybe I'm feeling judged, you know, in some ways, not saying that I have like the most, I don't have like the, like there are people who have, more difficult experiences than me but I think that I I'm just sort of reflecting like I think on like how I choose to engage with the world around me and that sort of in this way of like feeling like I I, I'm a little guarded but then I'm also kind of like an earnest and empathetic and loving person so it's like the duality of that is sort of like where then the title deadpan and love kind of come together as as like a title um for the album for me, it's, it's, it's very much that, that like contrast, that sort of um, 
you know, uh, not like paradigm, but like a, oh yeah, a paradox. So like the two things that don't necessarily go together, but they, 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 you know, we make them make sense, I guess, in some ways. Now I feel that I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that writing about these themes that are sort of like difficult to express what was like the biggest challenge for you that you didn't expect like when as you were like creating this album the track list was pretty difficult to get together like um getting at getting at all the songs and like making the order and sort of like putting that all together was was actually like a lot more difficult than i had expected because i think i've had a lot of songs for some time and, and I have enough songs to like, yeah, put out another album tomorrow. But like, I think it was like the difficult part of the process was really just like getting all of the songs to fit in. in yeah. Like the track list, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, we're both from Chicago. So of course the Saba feature was big for us um can you talk a little bit about collaborating with him on strange love and how that collaboration happened yeah so we actually met uh in 2019 at Lollapalooza so he played a set right after mine and then obviously it's a full circle because he ended up being on my set uh at Lollapalooza this year and um yeah so that's how we met and then basically we just were going back and forth like on dm and then like texting and stuff and i'd send him a few ideas and we worked on some of his ideas for his album and i don't really know if it's gonna end up being on it but he uh he was like really into it at a time and and uh yeah so we kind of just stayed in touch and we did a song that didn't go on the album that for mine and then and then we ended up landing on strange love as well and strange love just felt like it fit in the album the best out of uh any of the stuff we had done together so yeah that was really how it came together that's so funny i always wondered if that happened like when artists perform and you're like next to each other you're like hey like i don't know is, is that like common yeah i don't know i guess his manager was a big fan of me and then he listened and he was like oh this is dope and that's kind of how it all came together um so yeah it's really it is really funny because it's like yeah it definitely happens like i i know a lot of artists you know <laughs> like so I, I we're not all collaborating we're not all like, <laughs> out, like we know each other we definitely yeah. know. performing a lot is like huge and also just like a lot of people like has a pandemic year in general like changed the way that you approach music or playing live or um, anything like since like things have started like reopening or since you've dropped your album? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a little more conscious of COVID, I guess. So I don't want to get COVID. That's, that's really about it. I just uh, wear a mask when I'm, when I'm not on stage. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's COVID just, it sucks. It sucks that not everyone's vaccinated. I don't know or like no one yeah it's just it sucks generally i guess in the last year um what has been inspiring you like what art it could be musical it could be film like whatever's been inspiring mm. yeah film uh 
yeah i think i mean i'm always inspired by like movies tv kind of things like that like i like visual art a lot um and like how that comes together i'm also very inspired by my roommates as well um they kind of we, we have really good discussions and like um i like living in this house like i'm very much a I live in this house because I want to be here, you know? So it's like, it's just like a part of like what I enjoy in New York, you know? Um, this is like this community and, and like the ability to have community. So yeah, I think that's, that's like really, really been my biggest um, the thing I enjoy most, you know, or like the thing I, I feel like kind of moves me creatively most is, is the is the relationships that I have with my roommates and just like also like my girlfriend um and yeah just being being outside I don't know hey how did you like meet your roommates and why do they inspire you so actually it's funny like I've had a lot of different roommates I've had quite a few since I've been here for five and a half years so it hasn't been all the same people, but I think like the experience of meeting these people and just like talking to them about their lives and also just like getting to know their experiences and reflecting on that has allowed me kind of just to like, I mean, even more recently, I think now, because like also I'm not like an old person, but like I'm not 22 anymore. So like, I'm just kind of like, it's cool to just like have roommates who are 22 and are just like doing things a little differently than me. So um, I think that their outlooks are different than mine sometimes. And then my outlooks are different than theirs. So I just, I just, I get a lot from just from that. Talking about different outlooks, what do you want people to take away from deadpan love? I hope that people enjoy listening to it in the way of like, they can get as much from it as they want. Um, but I think that like I made the album as sort of a reflection on my experiences. So yeah, I hope that people can, can, can relate to it and like, and find ways to see themselves in it. And our final question is um, like, what are you looking forward to the most? It doesn't have to be like about your music, just like in general for the future. I am looking forward to touring again, hopefully. That'll be cool. Um, I'm kind of excited about even just some new music I'm working on, um, but also, oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an interesting answer, but I don't. I don't really have anything. Like, I might be getting like a moped soon. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Uh, touring sounds pretty interesting to me. I'm super excited. Um, I'm sure we'll try to make a stop on the tour. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem, y'all. It's good to get to meet y'all and yeah, see you, uh, see you in Chicago, maybe. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Cautious Clay and check out his album, Deadpan Love. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com or on our weekly newsletter, The Cube. See you next week.